another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream. Hi, folks. This is Jack Spear here with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, it's dictated differently today. I am at home in my home office as I uh, deliver the Survival Podcast to you. Um, I'm doing this podcast. Actually, my vacation has already begun, but I'm not going to take a vacation from the show today. I wanted to get a show out to you today. I'm going to do a show today. It's going to be probably a short, abbreviated one because I'm just running into crunch time now to get ready to get out of here, finish up my presentation for uh, Dirt Time 09. Uh, I've got an interview with Lou Rockwell uh, at 11 o'clock this morning. Um, it's already 9.13 because i got a late start, so I'm going to wrap this one up quicker. I'm going to shortcut a few things. One, Ask Clowns and Heroes today for our intro segment, uh, I'm not going to have an ass clown. And I'm not really doing that to shorten the show at all. I'm doing that because the young man um, that I'm going to talk about today is... Uh I don't know, he's kind of a class act, and I don't want to uh, to put his name next to any ass clowns today. Uh, he's our hero of the day. His name is Justin Holcomb. Um, he did a video uh, that was designed to help promote the Tea Party Day uh, at Tax Day earlier this year uh, in Trustville, Alabama, for the Republican women of Trustville. His mother actually was the organizer and just asked him could he put something together. A couple hours later, he came back, showed her this video, and said, will this work? Um, Folks, if you watch this video, it'll take you through a whirlwind tour of history from the signing of the Declaration of Independence all the way up to present day. And it ends with a plea to our Congress. Basically, the entire video is about how people and how nations and, and how so many have underestimated the will of the American people. And it ends with asking Congress, Congress, please don't underestimate the will of the American people. And I think that drives a point home at how dissatisfied people have become with the way our government is basically telling us to go screw uh, with our opinions. It doesn't matter how many people don't want this latest health care reform bill. They're hell-bent to pass it anyway. It doesn't matter how many people didn't want the bailout. They did it anyway, and they being Obama and they being Bush. Uh, we didn't want the, Bushes, the Bush bailouts either, and we got those shoved down our throats. We, we've been having this happen, I would say, steadily, steadily for the last eight years we've, we've been dealing with this. Um, I would say overall we've been dealing with it for 20 years. But it's gotten really bad um, in the end, the end cycle of the Bush administration with the, the, pre, uh, the vice president basically saying when he was asked about the American people's opinion on the war, his answer was so. And, and the blatant arrogance of, of the current administration is just ridiculous. Well, this young man points that out in a very moving way. I'll put a link to his video in the show notes today. Please watch it. Please share it with others. I don't care that the Tea Party Day uh, that it was made for has already come and gone. The video, I think, will be timeless, and one day people might look back at this little video and remember this is when the American people began to stand up. So, young man, Justin, salute to you, sir. You are the Survival Podcast.
podcast hero of the day. And with that, let's go on to um, our housekeeping. Uh, number one, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. Today's advertisers are, number one, ready-made resources. Um, these guys are great. They have so many items that are available for you uh, to help with your prepping needs and to help with any kind of project that you're working on. The the stuff you can get for solar alone is massive. Download their solar catalog, and I think you'll find that that catalog is about 250 pages. I think you'll find you'd be willing to pay money for that catalog. Because even though it's a catalog of products and items that you know you can buy from them, uh, you learn a tremendous amount about how to set up a solar system, what you need, and not just solar for electricity, solar hot water, you name it. It is a massive piece of information of extreme value. Uh, next, I would like you to check out Tea Party Silver for me today. And after I'm done talking to you today, you might understand more about why I want you to check out Tea Party Silver and consider making silver silver, and gold, but really, especially today, I'm going to talk about silver, a part of your savings and your investment strategy. Um, The coins from Tea Party Silver are absolutely beautiful. They're running a sale right now. It's going to run out at least for a month unless silver prices spike really high or something. Uh, They have a new Morgan dollar-based silver round. It looks a lot like the Morgan silver dollar. Absolutely beautiful. The Tea Party ones, which which fit perfectly with our hero of the day, they are gorgeous coins. Again, I have them in my own collection. I recommend you do as well. And I'm definitely going to be ordering some of those uh, Morgan coins. I think those are absolutely beautiful as well. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the intro segment in the housekeeping. And as I said, I'm going to try to keep the show a little bit shorter today, get it on the air for you, but uh, leave myself some time for my other interview and to get ready to get out of Dodge. So what are we going to talk today about? We're going to talk about silver and why silver should be part of your survival strategy. It should be part of your investment investment strategy, it should be part of your lifestyle strategy. And I'm about to make the best case for this for you that I possibly can. I'm going to show you something. Now, the interesting thing is, I could have gone back 30 more years and still made this little thought experiment work. But I decided to go back to the year before we got rid of silver in our currency, 1964. And I know that my numbers may not be perfect because I pulled them off the Internet, but they're going to be somewhere in this range anyway, and I'm about to give you some very interesting facts about the value of a quarter in 1964 when they were still made out of silver. And the value of that same quarter made in 1964 or earlier today. In other words, what would a quarter made out of silver have bought you in 1964 or 1935 for that matter, or 1920 for that matter? And if you still had that silver, if we didn't go to all this copper-clad bullshit, leave the gold standard, leave the silver standard that backed our coin money, what would the American dollar be worth today? What would the American quarter be worth today? What could we buy with it today? And so let's start off with something that I believe is near and dear to the hearts of most Americans. The price of gas. The price of gas in 1964 ran between 25 and 30 cents. Right, so basically it cost a quarter to buy uh, a gallon of gas in 1964. A quarter. 
So this morning I carried my myself over to uh, the Coinflation calculators. And if you've never been to Coinflation.com, it's a really cool site. And one of the features is a, is a little calculator. And you put in how many quarters you have or how many dimes you have or how many 50-cent pieces, whatever silver coinage you have. And it takes today's spot price of silver, uh, which is down quite a bit from recent highs, the 13.89 an ounce, which to me is a good time. I mean, I think now is a good time to start buying some silver. Uh, it may even come down a little bit more over the next month as the market rallies in the suckers rally, and there may be some more opportunity buys. But even with this recent retraction of silver prices, um, one Washington quarter from 1964 or earlier is worth $2.51. So I said to myself, self, how much does gas price, how much does gas cost? And I said, self, you really don't know because you buy mostly diesel. So I went and pulled up gas prices. In Fort Worth, Arlington area, from a live price watcher online today, and in my area, I found gas prices to be between two dollars and thirty-eight cents to two dollars and fifty-two cents a gallon in my area. Now, I know if you live in California, your state is stupid and it costs more. But, folks, I could have bought a gallon of gas for a quarter in 1964, and if I have that same quarter today, it'll buy me roughly one gallon of gas. Well, that's pretty cool. But does it apply to other things? Well, let's find out. I went out and said, self, what is a loaf of bread? What did a loaf of bread cost average in 1964 in the store? And it was 21 cents. Again, for about one quarter to buy a loaf of bread. And the best number I could find online that looked like the average price of a loaf of bread today was about $2.79 a loaf or about one quarter. And if anything, that number's high. And if that number's high, then that means you need less than one quarter to buy the same loaf of bread today. It's 1964 to to 2009. The quarter lost almost none of its value on those two items. Zero. Zero. No inflation. Let's look at something a little bit more substantial. Come on, Jack. This is gas and bread. Bread is see, bread is generally a, a cheap item, right? We don't see the price of bread jacking up all over the place. And come on, gasoline's up and down, up and down. You know, it could go up tomorrow, and then this won't work anymore if the silver doesn't go up too. Okay, fine. Let's look at something more substantial. How about a new car? The average price of a new car in 1964 was $3,500. $3,500 times 4 equals 14,000 quarters. I know this is a bit ridiculous, but we're looking at the value of the money, folks, so let's just follow this. In 1964, if I wheeled a barrel of 14,000 quarters down to the average new car dealership, I could have got a new car with 14,000 quarters. The average price of a new car today, $27,958. How many quarters would it take? Today, if we had silver quarters to be worth $27,958, roughly 11,000 quarters, you get to keep 3,000 of your quarters if you compare the price to a new car. What would 14,000 quarters equal today? $35,167. So the 14,000 quarters that would have bought you an average new car in 1964, today would buy you a pretty damn nice car at $35,000. You're not up into the top of the line stuff, the really expensive stuff, but I've actually never spent $35,000 on a new car in my life. 
That's the value of the quarter. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Let's look at something a little more consumer-driven. What about a movie ticket? A movie ticket in 1964 across our great nation averaged a dollar twenty-five. For a buck twenty-five, you could go to the movies. Two fifty, you took a date. Right. So the best number I could find on movie tickets today, finding the highest number I could, checking several sources, $9.80 for the average price of a movie ticket in the United States. That's about four quarters. So what five quarters bought you in 1964, four quarters buy you today. Okay? New house. Best number I could find on new housing in 1964 was about $13,000 you could buy a new house with. It's a big one, folks. 52,000 quarters. Now, the median highest price on a new home, I found numbers across our country anywhere from $120,000 to $250,000, depending on whose numbers you check. I'll put it to you this way. I've purchased four houses in my life, the least expensive of which was about $75,000, the most expensive of which was $137,000, and those are real numbers. And to be fair, I sold that $137,000 house for almost $190,000 a few years later. So I'll be fair there. But I just want to look at purchasing power. You could buy a new home for thirteen grand in 1964. How many quarters would it have taken in 1964 to be worth 13 grand? 52,000 quarters. If we go to coinflation and say, what are 52,000 pre-1964 quarters worth today? $130,000 and some change, 600 bucks, something like that. 130 grand. All I'm going to ask you is, can you go out and find a decent home in America today, leaving out the nut jobs on the left and right coast in New York City and certain parts of California, you leave that out. And even today there with the market crash, can you buy a decent, regular Americana house for $130,000 in America today? And if you tell me you can't, you're just wrong and you're not looking in the right place because you certainly can. So why did I do this little exercise? Why did I go through this? I want you to understand why I'm a fan of commodities like gold and silver. And I want you to understand that even if you take your money right now and you get all your money out of the bank and you take $100,000, let's say, and you put it in stacks of hundreds and you bury it in your mattress in your bed and you sleep on it, the safest place in the world for your money, you have less money every year. If the inflation rate is 3%, it's just like in year one, while you're sleeping, somebody comes into your mattress and digs $3,000 out of your mattress. And they keep doing that every year, and they keep devaluing your $100,000 down, 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 down. And I want you to understand where that comes from. It comes from inflation, and inflation is not, in America today, inflation is not driven by the price of goods and commodities going up. That's the lie. That's the trick. That's the misdirection. That's the rabbit out of the hat. It's normal for prices to go up. We would expect that prices would go up. That's called progress. People make more. They spend more. They drive prices higher. That is not what inflation is. Inflation is the devaluing of the currency. In other words, the dollar becomes weaker, so it takes more dollars to buy the same item. Why is that even important? Does it really matter? To you, you might be thinking, that doesn't matter, Jack. Who, this is semantics. 
I still have to spend more money to get the same thing. Prices are going up. It doesn't matter how they get there. Oh, but it does. It's someone that's an investor and somebody that wants to hedge against that. Looking at commodities, and not just gold and silver, things like food, things like real estate, things like any kind of long-term hard good that lasts forever and always has value either for you, based on you can use it or you can exchange it, barter or exchange for currency, either one. It matters immensely. Because what I've just shown you is the effect of that devaluation. You really have to think about the fact that in 1964, a quarter bought you a gasoline, a gallon of gasoline. And that today, that same quarter will still buy you a gallon of gasoline. You really have to think about how powerful that is. That should make your mind, if you've never considered this before, just go, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, what the hell is going on here? Is that the price of silver going up? No. Historically, the price of silver is lower today than it has ever been in the history of the world. If you look back around 1100, the equivalent price of silver an ounce today would have been about 600 bucks. There was no American dollars in 1100. I don't know how they figured that out, but they did. I believe the chart I read. All that you've seen with gold going up recently, silver going up recently, is the underlying currency devalued against it. It's the same thing that drove oil up last year. It's the thing that's driving oil up right now. Global production is high. Global oil reserves are high. But yet the price of oil is is continuing to slowly escalate back up. There's plenty of oil out there. The economy's not recovered anywhere in the world. But the price of oil has gone up. Why? Because the value of the entire global currency system is now devalued. Everybody played this inflation game with us. They had to. When we printed trillions, they had to print trillions. That's the way it works because everything's pegged to the dollar for now. And this is why I think you need to consider investing in silver. I really think that you need to consider it as a big part of your strategy. And if you don't, I think you're missing out on on a pretty good opportunity. And uh, with silver recently, like I said, dropping to to below 14 bucks, I think we have a real opportunity uh, with that in and of itself. I've looked at, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I kind of went to, to uh, Monex, uh, which is a great place to get silver pricing, and I pulled the two charts, the gold and silver historical charts over ten years, and I made a little collage, and I'll post the link to that today too, and you can look at the correlation and the movement between gold and silver. But what you'll notice about silver, if you look back to uh, 2001 up to right now, you have what they call a strong floor uh, around 10 to 12 bucks. When silver gets in that range, it just doesn't seem to go below there anymore and it stays down there. And we you know, we had back in the depths of the recession probably a lot of people dumping their silver uh, to, to free up some currency. We had it go down just below $10 for a little while. Um, boy, I wish I would have bought some of it then, but it's, it's come roaring back. And you'll see that same dip with gold. And you, if you look, you'll see a pretty strong floor for gold uh, around 650 600 to $650, going back about the same time period, right after both metals made a pretty good long-term sustained run. Now, 
I am a little bit worried about gold. Gold is is getting back close to its all-time high. I don't know how much upside there. This is not financial advice. These are just some things that we can look at. But what I see with silver is a lot of safety in its investment right now. So mostly what I'm going to talk about today going forward is that, that kind of safe investment that I see in silver. Let's talk for a minute about some of the ways to invest in silver. Um, Here's my three favorite ways. My three favorite ways are in any type of bullion in the form of rounds or bars. Um, I don't really care what format they're in. I think that's a good way. Often you can get a discount over things like uh, junk coins and silver eagles. The reason you get a discount is because you're buying pretty much bullion in, in most of these situations. So I like that. The disadvantage there, when you come to do something like one-ounce silver bars, you can sell up to 30 ounces of silver bars a year without 1099-ing it against your tax return. No one's suggesting that you don't report your income. I'm just telling you the facts. You do what you want with them. But that's, that's your limit. Up to 30 ounces of silver sold in any year without a 1099 um, on bullion. If you're selling Silver Eagles, there's no requirement for a 1099. It's a 1099 on the honor system. So if you think you need to pay taxes on your 100 ounces of Silver Eagles that you sell because you've made money on it, it's up to you to, to basically set up and submit your own 1099. And if you don't do it, nobody will. And the sale is just a sale, and you do what you want with that information. Um, but depending on some of the situations that could occur in the future, having that be the case, I really like the Silver Eagle, and I see the premium paid for the Eagle is something that's probably worth it because of the tax issue there. I also think it makes sense to combine the two. This way you bring your overall basis cost down, because if I'm paying price A and price B, and I'm buying equivalent amounts, my actual price per ounce of silver is right between the two of them. So it brings your overall cost down. I also really like pre-64 American coinage. I'm sorry, quarters, dimes, 50-cent pieces, and silver dollars. They're very recognizable. They would probably be one of the best things to use in a barter situation if we ever had, you know, the end of the world as we know it type situation or what have you. But they're backed as a currency as well. So they have a minimal basis value. If a meteor hit the earth and turned everything into silver tomorrow, the silver quarter is still worth at least 25 cents. So, coupled with the underlying, you know, the silver meteor is not coming, folks, right? So, coupled with the underlying basis value of the silver itself, you have an actual currency recognized for exchange. So, those are that's why I like those three investments. Of them all, of them all, my favorite are the silver eagles because I'm getting a full ounce, a recognized denomination of silver uh, with a guaranteed purity and a distinct advantage with taxation if we ever end up in a really bad economy where things are just falling apart and uh, the government starts trying to seize assets or tries, starts to try to track everything that you do. Now, could they ever change that? Sure they could. But that's the way it is right now, and that's the advantage that it offers to you right now. So those are my kind of three favorite ways. Um, let me tell you what I don't like. I do not like numismatic uh, investments. If you're doing it because you think it's cool, 
right? For the same reason that if somebody said to me, hey, Jack, you see this rifle? And I went, yeah, that's an old rifle. It's kind of nice. And they said, oh, this was Robert Rourke's gun. And they could prove that it was really, it really belonged to Robert Rourke. I might want to buy that because it has sentimental value to me because he's one of my favorite authors I grew up. And I might pay a premium for that rifle. But I'm not doing it because I want to turn around and sell it as an investment. I'm buying it purely for my own edification. When you look at numismatic coins, if you feel that way about coins, fine, that's okay. But that's not an investment, in my opinion. Buying, you know, an MS-66 Morgan Silver Dollar from 1870-whatever, made in the, you know, New Orleans Mint or what have you, uh, and paying... 50 times what the silver value is, that's not my way to do things. And I really recommend that you don't do things that way either, unless you're talking about truly disposable income. Uh, because those coins aren't going to move as much with the value of silver. as so other things. People will tell you the exact opposite. They'll say, that coin, that coin has a collector value that is stronger than the silver value. Even if silver goes down, that coin's still going to have much of its retained value because it's based on its rarity and, and where it comes from. But what I'm telling you is when the shit hits the fan, nobody gives a damn about numismatic values anymore. What people care about is what's, what's this thing actually worth in a currency exchange situation. That's why I don't like them. Uh, I think that the other thing that I really like about silver and gold as well is the fact that you can hold on to the investment. And people ask me, how do you recommend I store my silver? I used to say, you know, having a safe deposit box is probably not a bad idea. Due to some of the recent things I've learned about how the, how things can go wrong with safety deposit boxes, I never want one again for the rest of my life. And I will never use a safe deposit box again for the rest of my life. I recommend you get yourself a good fireproof uh, lockbox or safe and keep your silver either in your home or somewhere else that you feel is safe. I'll leave it at that. That's up to you. I do recommend that if you get into a significant quantity of silver that you don't keep it all in one place, that you do break it up into small caches uh, individually. Maybe get yourself a second or a third box and put them in different locations. So if one ever gets stolen or busted into or it has a fire rating of an hour and somehow it ends up burning for three, if anything ever happens to uh, your cache of silver, some of the rest of it is protected. And I would you know, keep some, some minimum separation distance between your caches. And by the way, I recommend that you do that with your food as well. Um, the other thing I'm going to tell you is I really love silver for how easy it is to still invest in. If you want to buy an ounce of gold, you're out close to a thousand bucks right now. That's a big pill to swallow, especially as an incremental investment. You can go out right now and buy um, a silver dime for around a buck. Right, it's a junk silver dime selling for about a buck, buck and a half right now. So you could go out and uh, spend five bucks a week or something like that, and over time build up a pretty significant stash of silver. Uh, you can go out and buy uh, silver eagles right now, probably with that spot price at fourteen bucks area, probably about seventeen dollars. And even when silver was uh, quite a bit higher, silver was up uh, just a week ago, up in the 16s, and I'm waiting on a shipment of 20 ounces of silver eagles right now. And uh, I ended up paying about $17 an eagle for them, even when silver was $2 an ounce higher. So even with, let's say, if you were going to invest 50 bucks a month at today's prices, you could add at least two eagles to your silver storage, 
a month at $50 a month. So it's a very easy thing to incrementally invest in. It's also something that's easy to sell in small quantities. Let's say you got into a financial pinch. Right, and you had a couple hundred ounces of silver eagles. Uh, if you had an ounce of gold, you could go out there and sell the whole ounce of gold for a thousand bucks. But maybe you don't need a thousand bucks. Maybe you're just in a short-term pinch. You need to get through. You need an extra two hundred dollars. Well, you can go break off about two hundred dollars worth of your silver. There's plenty of places that'll instantly buy your silver at a set value directly under the spot and sell your silver. And if it's Silver Eagles, even if you sold more than 30 ounces, you don't even have to report it unless you're going to do it on the honor system. I'll leave that to you. So it's that ability to, to sell off a small portion of it whenever you need to so that that investment is immediately exchangeable for currency. Uh, you can convert your silver in most instances to cash quicker than you can uh, money at a bank that's maybe not local to you. If you have a CD or something, you have to, to get a penalty to break out early or something like that. Uh, or if you have a mutual fund that you need to sell off uh, a certain number of shares to get your hands on your money, uh, silver it, it usually involves a trip to a place where you can exchange it for currency. That's all that it involves. So that's another huge advantage to me. Uh, I also think there's a huge advantage in the way that you can hand it down as an inheritance. Um, You can hand silver down by simply telling your son or your daughter, this is where daddy keeps his box of silver. When daddy dies, this is your box. Here is your own key to it. Okay? Is that all nice and legal-like? I don't know. I really don't know. This is not legal advice. All I'm telling you is that when you die, if you leave a box to somebody and just say, here, when I'm dead, take this, then they take it. No one needs to know. There's, there's a certain advantage to that. There's plenty of things, possessions, in homes that aren't part of a will and testament. And if you have a family where there's not going to be a big fight over assets or things like that, or you have a sole heir, a box that just happens to contain 100 ounces of silver or so, no reason for that to be anything other than, son, when I die, you could have my old hunting rifle. I see it the same way. It's just a possession. It's just an item. And nobody in their last will and testament catalogs everything in their home unless they're a billionaire. So there's a huge value there as well. Um, Because you physically possessed it in the home, hopefully both spouses would have access to any kind of lockbox, safe, firebox. So in the event of the death of one of the spouses, if money is immediately needed and any type of legal proceedings are done over the currency in the bank or life insurance waiting for it to be paid out or anything like that, that hard asset in the home can be again taken down in exchange for currency. There's just so many things that you become independent of with an investment like silver or gold that it just makes sense to make it part of your investment strategy. Now, notice what I did not say. I did not say, okay, fools, the market's going to die, everything is going to explode, the world is going to end, and the only thing worth anything is going to be silver and gold. Take all your money and go convert it now. You did not hear me say that. And other than when I'm making fun of people that say things like that, you will never hear me say that. That is never a good idea. It is never a good idea to break the old simple parables, right, and the old simple uh, stories, which is, uh, what do you call it, cliches. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
Well, that is the word. That, those are words of wisdom for a reason. Do not put all your eggs in one basket, even the silver basket. So, how much money should you put into your investments with silver and/or gold? And also said and/or with a slash between the two. You make your own decisions on this. My view is between ten and fifteen percent. If you said Jack, I only want to do five, I would say great, do five. If you said Jack, I wanted to do two percent. Right? I have a net worth of $100,000 between my 401k and everything. I think $2,000 worth of silver is plenty. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. He said, I don't want to do any. I'd say, fine. You make your own decision. But I really think you should consider this, but do what you want. If you said, Jack, 15% is not enough. I want to do 20. I'd probably say, if you're sure. Okay. If you said, I think I want to put 50% of my money in a silver rate, I'd say, oh my God, for the love of God, do not do that. And people say, Why? And silver is such a solid performance investment. You've just shown us how 1964 to 2009 it's basically lost none of its value. Why wouldn't you put 50% in? Because of all the things that are in between there. There was a period in the early 80s where the Hunt brothers tried to corner the silver market and it spiked up to 60 bucks. 82, I think it was. And the people selling you silver are still pointing back and go, silver at one time was $62. 1982, and it hasn't gotten anywhere near there again. I don't think it's gone north of 20 bucks since it came back off of that. It might have barely got. Let me look at my graph right here. $20. Okay, it was north of $20 in 2008 for about a month. And then for a very brief period, another month. So 20, no, 20 bucks. It was one time for one month in 2008. It never broke $21. So, going all the way back to 1982, it's never been near that all-time high again. And it's been low. Uh, I remember in the 80s, after it came off of that, silver was trading at 6 bucks for what seemed like ever. sure wish I would have bought some of it then. But what causes these rapid fluctuations in silver? There's a lot of things. Um, one of the things that makes silver attractive is there's not as much of it as there is gold. There's far less silver above ground than there is gold above ground. Silver gets used in industry. But because of that, a person like Warren Buffett could drive the price of silver up and down in a day if he wanted to, just by buying a massive quantity and then dumping that same massive quantity. The people that print our currency, the Federal Reserve, if they start retracting currency production and increasing the value of dollar, the dollar can flip this equation. There's just a lot of things out there that can create volatility in the precious metals market. Now, if you're going to hold the money for 20 years, I'd say you almost can't lose. It's almost impossible to lose because of the constant inflationary curve that we are required to be under as long as we stay under the current monetary system. But... That's like buying a 20-year CD with a penalty of 50% if you break out early. I wouldn't recommend you do that either with a big portion of your money. Now, if you could get 10% over 20 years and you had a piece of money, 10%, that you could set aside with a guaranteed 10% return, I'd say that's a good long-term investment. And that's how I want you to look at your gold and silver. I only want you to tie so much of it up there in case you get into a point where you need money that it's the last place you go to take from unless it's just spiked way up and you think it's a good time. I want you to preserve your options and your freedom, and I want you to use things like gold and silver or real estate or food to increase it
not decrease it. And if you go over-allocate in any one area, instead of being more empowered and more free, you now limit your choice as to which well you go to when you need it, if that makes sense. So diversification for me, folks, is not a mutual fund well diversified into a sector, and then another mutual fund well diversified into a sector, and then another mutual fund well diversified into a sector, and your financial advisor gets 1.5% of your total money to sit there and wipe his butt while your stocks go up and down. Because you haven't allocated crap because 100% of your money is into the stock market. It's 100% also into paper. Even if it's in cash, 10% in cash. The guy does a better job for you. 10% in cash, 20% in bonds, 70% in the market. Look how diversified we are now. 100% paper. 100% money that you cannot pick up and put your hand on. That is not diversification. Does that mean that you don't use those investments? No, but it means that you limit those investments just the way that you limit this investment. I think it's important to say that because I hear from people, I'm just buying silver with all my extra money, and one day I'm going to be able to buy a house with ten bars of silver. It drives me crazy when people say that. I feel bad for them. I know that they've been taken by these people that just want to sell you as much of what they sell as possible. Silver and gold are not magic. They're just another form of commodity investment that are easy to buy with a strong historical value. That's why I recommend you consider them. And with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I hope this was a good show today. I know I wasn't keyed up and full of energy like I am some days, but uh, folks, I've got to, uh, I've got to get, go get on, get on, and get ready to get out of here. I haven't even started to pack yet, uh, and I do have an interview coming up in about an hour. Um, so I'm going to try to get this show online for you really quick here. I might be brief with my show notes. I know my show notes were non-existent yesterday. I apologize. But I'll get some good links up here for you. I'll post that graph that I made of the two silver and the gold, silver, silver and gold charts side by side so you can get some look at it. But do take some time today to at least consider adding silver to your portfolio. Look around. See what you can buy. See what you can find. eBay's a great place to buy silver. I mentioned I just bought um, 20 ounces of silver at $17 a coin for Silver Eagles. Uh, I got that deal on eBay. I posted it in the great deal form. It's gone now. The guy had, I think, 10 lots, and they're all sold off. I can understand why. Now, if you look at what he did, he did pretty good. He sold at, the, at, at a recent high. Uh, silver's dropped about $2 an ounce. He's probably buying more and getting ready to do it again. So good for him. He's a trader. Remember, I'm not teaching you to be a trader. I'm teaching you to build up long-term wealth and long-term independence and long-term ability of choice for you and your family. And if you keep doing that and you just make silver one piece of it or you make gold one piece of it and you don't try to make it an end-all, be-all, and you keep doing the other things like storing food, uh, building permaculture systems in your backyard, having a garden, uh, making your own methods of food storage, paying off your debt, living the life the way you choose, and living that better life today, that'll help you keep on living that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.